Wow, let's appreciate this wonderful worship team. And they're amazing. You guys have done an amazing job. And I think the, the thing that makes it better for me is that I know most of this team. Uh, in fact, I, I just knew how to pronounce your name. Uh, I don't know if you guys have had a problem pronouncing his name, but I really suffered in Kenya trying to wonder, is it gone calves or is he talking about caves? But somebody told me it's Gonsalves, right? So now I have it. And then I also had an opportunity to fellowship with Mr. Ross, Fengfish, and Anthony. So I really appreciate these guys. So let's give them a big round of applause for leading us in uh, worship. It is also so sad that your pastor is not able to be with us. And I realized that uh, somebody else, Pastor Malloy, has a, a nasty cold, right? I mean, do you get frustrated with the flu? I mean, the flu is one of these things that just... I mean, I wonder, is it an agent of the devil? Because I know I've, I've had it a number of times, and especially when I'm about to go and preach, I always ask God, why are you sending me this thing? You know, it's like a thorn in the flesh, especially because I try to bind it in Jesus' name and pray the prayer of, uh, the prayer of faith. And immediately after I say, I'm healed in Jesus' name, I would always go, Oof, you know, and, and it's just right there staring at me, you know. But anyway, God, God is still amazing. Well, let me tell you the thing that really humbles me about being here is the fact that I get to see the faces that have really been a blessing to us in Kenya. I get to see you one more time. I think I've been in this fellowship for uh, two times now, but I really just want to come here and just say a big, big, big thank you to all of you because you might not know, but you guys have been instrumental in touching our lives and, and being a result of uh, just encouraging many people and being a blessing to many people in Hope Church Lovington. Because uh, you guys helped us put up lights in our building. You've really helped us uh, educate some of the young people there who would not necessarily have a good education plus a meal that comes with it on a daily basis. Uh, not only that, but just before I came, one of the big projects that we had was to come up with the children's tent. Our children's ministry was... Huge, but we were really struggling because our kids were far away from us. The place, the place that we were putting them to fellowship in was not a good place at all. It was smelly, it was dirty and all that, but you helped us put up a tent. And let me just say, as a result of that, the first Sunday that we launched that tent, we had about 80 more kids come into this church and be a part of that. Let's give God praise. God is amazing. And uh, the good thing is, uh, in, in, in just in tune with that, I, I remember baptizing around 27 kids who received Jesus Christ and are still growing as a result of that. So I, I, I'm really here to say thank you. I don't know if you remember uh, the way Jesus healed about 10 people of leprosy. But the Bible teaches me that one guy came to Jesus. He did not only come back, but he fell to the ground. That's how the Bible describes it, that he threw himself to the ground without any pride or shame as an expression of thanksgiving. And so that's what literally I'm here to do. I know I can't throw myself on the floor because I would look crazy, but that's where my heart is, guys. I'm really here to say a big, big thank you. And I'm here to also pray the prayer that Paul prayed for Onesiphorus when he said in the Bible, may the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because of the blessing that he has been to me. So I'm here to pray for Avalon Church. I'm here to pray for your wonderful pastors, Pastor Jim as well, and all of you that God may show you mercy and favor, that God may bless you and enable you to continue to make a difference in this world. Is, is our God good? 
Is our God good? Let's give him a big round of applause. Let's never get tired. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So let's pray as I get ready to share the word of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I submit myself to you, O Lord. I'm not here to preach anything about me, O Father, or anything about uh, whatever my mind tells me, Lord. But I'm here to just submit myself to you and have you speak to your people today. So minister to them, for it's in Jesus' mighty name I do pray. Amen. I want to begin by asking us a question today, and I want us to be very real. Uh, when you were here just introducing us to a time of worship, you led us to a passage in the book of 2 Corinthians, right? And this passage talks about how we are jars of clay, how we go through, through our struggles in life, how we go through challenges in life, but yet God just has a way of showing his, his power through us, that in our weakness, he just has a way of showing his glory through us. And so I want to ask you a question in line with that. Do you feel confused? Do you feel let down and frustrated because things are not going as you expected? I don't know if you would be real with yourself today, but is that where you are at right now? Because I feel the Lord is leading me here to encourage somebody who's like Moses. Somebody who has just begun to pursue after the will of God. Somebody who is are doing God's assignment, but things are not going as planned. Things are not turning out as you thought they would, and you're kind of getting discouraged. You're kind of taking a few steps back, and you're regretting why you dared to obey God. But I'm here to encourage you today. Amen. I want to preach to us a message I call Finding God. Finding God in the oxymorons and paradoxes of life. Amen. Because when you're in this mix, at times you might want to give up and, and not go through or see through to the end what God started in your life. So quickly, let's turn our attention to the book of Exodus chapter 4 and verse 21. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 21. This is what it says. The Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. I don't know if you remember the story of Moses very well, but Moses did not want this job. Have you ever been given a job that you do not want? Moses was there saying, no, Lord, not me. I'm a stammerer. I don't have what it takes. I don't want to do that job. But God pursued him further. And God got him to that place where he said, Lord, Wherever you go, I will go. Where you lead, I will follow. I am with you till the very end. And so Moses is at this point, uh, and, and God is just telling him, Now, you are about to begin your assignment. I have given you the power to do mighty wonders. Think about this, guys. He's not just going to speak. God has given him the, the power to do miracles. These are not things that any ordinary person can do. But listen to what he says. I will harden Pharaoh's heart. I will ensure that it is not easy. Have you ever been in a place where you're literally doing things and people are wowed? But yet still things are not going as planned. You know how frustrating it can be to do a very big... Let me ask you, can you imagine in your workplace, you do something that just awes everybody in your company. Like you just did something and you landed them a big deal, but then it still doesn't move your boss. He still doesn't see any reason to promote you. I mean, you've just performed nothing short of a financial miracle for your company. But he's not pleased. 
He's, he's even considering somebody else for that promotion. So I'm here to ask you again, do you feel like you want to give up? Do you feel like you want to throw in the towel because you can't understand God's tests upon your lives? You can't understand, okay, God, are you testing me? Is this a James chapter 1 kind of thing where you're telling me to, to just hang in there because you want to produce patience? Or is this just the devil and you want me to just pray over it and, and this is warfare and you want me to be victorious? You can't understand. Or you can't understand his tools. You know, God has tools. God can bring nasty people to test you, right? <laughs> you, you never want to be around people that God is using as tools because he can empower them to frustrate you, right? <laughs> you remember Nebuchadnezzar and that whole story. Or you can't understand God's timing. I mean, you're here and you thought things would have happened at such a time, but then they're still being delayed. It's like God has kept you pending. You are in this place and you're supposed to see God in the office, but the secretary is just there saying, a few more hours, please. God will be right there with you, you know? And doesn't that frustrate you because you're waiting? But I know today probably I'm speaking to somebody who's getting jaded. You're getting tired. You're getting discouraged. Yes, you're still in church. You can still afford to raise up your hands and sing. You can still afford a smile when Pastor Jim looks at you and gives you a word of encouragement. But deep inside your heart, there's discouragement looming. And you want to quit. You are considering giving up. But I came to tell you today, trust in the Lord. Amen. Trust in the Lord. Because in your weakness, he is strong. We serve a God who finishes what he starts. In fact, the Bible tells us that God will bring to accomplishment what he started in you. He started a good work in you. All you need to do is just trust in him. Hang in there until he brings it to the very end. I, I, I was looking for an illustration to just help us understand um, the aspect of trusting God. And I landed on two illustrations that I hope you will identify with. These are two fathers from different cultures, all right? One of them, I would say, is from, from right here in America, all right? Uh, you guys, the way you parent your kids is very different from the way Africans do. But, but we might have similarities and differences. So uh, this is, there's a father called, um, um, let's say his name is Ed, and he has a son, son called Zach. And so they're out uh, having a nice uh, vacation, climbing on cliffs. And so let me fast forward the story. Uh, they're all doing their thing, and the dad is trying to get nice shots of the scenery. But the kid had just climbed onto a tree, and all of a sudden he shouts to his father, and he says, Dad, catch me! And so his father turns, and he sees his son falling from the tree. And so he throws his camera away, rushes quickly, and gets a hold of him, and they both fall to the ground. And then in anger and in frustration, he looks at his child and he asks his son, son, why did you do that? And his son, Zach, being very aloof, says, because you're my dad. And isn't that sweet? Because that illustration on trust kind of tries to tell us that we have a God who can dash and quickly catch us, you know. And, and in many ways that is true because we can live life to the fullest. We can obey God's voice. We can make risks, we can take hard decisions and obey God because he has our back. But then let me take you down to Nigeria um, in Africa. And we have very different kind of fathers there. I mean, uh, let me tell you the truth. I, I, I grew up with parents who would beat me just in case I did something wrong. Not that I had done something wrong, 
All right? So this is a, I, I want to paint a picture of, an, of Nigeria for you, all right? In Nigeria, it does get a little bit hot, okay? So think about this Nigerian father in shorts, because sometimes men in Nigeria just walk around without, without shirts. So he's in shorts, he has a big stomach, and he had a partner, like a trusted friend, and they had just uh, done a business deal. So he was calling to ask for his end of, uh, of the deal, like his share of the money. And so he discovers that his trusted friend has just conned him, all right? So he screams in his house because he has just been conned by a trusted friend. So you can imagine this scene opening with a guy shouting, Oh, I can't believe it. You know, Nigerians talk pidgin English, okay? So I'll try to talk the way they talk. They don't say they, they say they, all right? <laughs> That's how Nigerians talk, all right? And they're very bold and emphatic. So now, he turns his attention to his son called Chike, and he looks at how naive Chike is, how trusting Chike is. And so he wants to teach Chike a lesson. So he comes out of the house and he's walking like this. And he says, Chike, come. Now, Nigerian children are Kenyan children like me. Sometimes when you're called by your father, you get scared because you suspect that you're in big trouble, okay? Because we are never taught to spend time with our fathers for no reason. You just don't hang around your dad just like that, okay? So here is Chike coming and he's wondering, have I done something wrong? And so his father comes and looks at him with a big smile and says, Chike, I want you to climb up this tree, okay? And Chike is like, no, my dad is up to no good. But his father opens up his uh, fury and he says, oh, I'm your dad, I'm your father. So trust what I'm telling you, get up on this tree, oh. I'm going to beat you up. So Chike climbs up the tree, but he knows his dad is up to no good. So the father says, trust me, I'm your father. Throw yourself down. So what does Chike do? He throws himself down. But guess what? As he's in the middle of the air, his father turns away and begins to walk away. So Chike lands on the ground and he hits the ground hard. All right? <laughs> then his father comes, looks back at him and he says, let me tell you something, young man. Never ever trust anybody. All right? <laughs> so this is just, this, this is a, um, it's an example of a father. You know the way the Bible teaches us that cast is he who trusts in man? That's the kind of thing that probably he was trying to teach us. But let me ask you, what kind of illustration do you relate with more? <laughs> I don't know. But let me tell you about me. I relate with a bit of both. Because the moment I got born again, God was so awesome. And I'm not saying he's not awesome now, but he was so awesome. Because every time I would go to pray, I would feel heaven opening up. I would feel as though I'm in this concert with, Don, uh, with, with Michael W. Smith and he's singing, Healing rain is falling down. Healing rain is falling down. Every time I would call him, Abba Father, I would feel God coming through. Every time he would lead me to something, I would do it. But the moment I began reaching out to people and evangelizing, all of them used to get saved. And I felt, wow, God is good. But now 18 years down the road, 18 years of being saved, I've discovered another God. And he's still good. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's bad. But I've discovered a God who can let me fall. All right? He can allow me to fall and hit the ground hard. Not because he hates me, but because the Bible says God chastens those that he loves. Have you ever seen that in the Bible? That God can discipline someone because he... God can take you through a trial. 
God can test you. That's why in the book of James it says, count it all joy. It's like God telling Chike, smile even when you hit the ground because I'm teaching you perseverance. I'm teaching you patience. I'm teaching you something good. But let me say the truth. I've been there quite a while. But I've discovered sometimes it can really injure your faith, especially when you can't figure God out. Many of us get to a place where we want to give up. Maybe right now as I preach to you, you are that place where you've hit the ground hard. Maybe God didn't answer your prayer. Maybe things are not going as you thought they would. Maybe things, I mean that God's timing is just, he's, he's all, I mean, he's late. He's way beyond the plan. I mean, he's, he's out of place for you and, and you're feeling like you want to give up. But I came to tell you, trust in God. Why am I saying oxymorons? It's because, you know what oxymorons mean? Oxymorons are a pair of two opposite words that I use together, right? For example, you've heard the word plastic glass. You've heard the word true lies. Or we like sauce. You've heard the word bitter sweet. Huh? Or sweet and sour sauce, you know? And, and I've looked in the Bible and I've found stuff like that where the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 12 that I'm a living sacrifice. Man. So I'm on this altar and I'm burning up. I'm crying to Jesus, man, this is hot. This, this heat is too much, my dear Lord. But I'm not dying. You know, sometimes you wish you would die and just, you know, not feel the pain. But the Bible describes us as a living sacrifice. So you're in a process of dying every single day. You're dying to yourself and, and you're, you're being filled with more of God. That we can come to the point where you, we sing, Everywhere, Lord, you go, I go. It's not about me, it's about you, oh God. Isn't that an oxymoron? But at times when you can't figure it out, it gets so discouraging. Why am I talking about a paradox? It's because a paradox is a phrase that is true. But when thought through to its logical end, it is actually false. For example, when somebody says to you, this statement is false. Now, it can be two ways because, number one, that statement is true because this statement is indeed false, right? But again, it is false because it says the statement is false. Are, are we together? So sometimes I don't understand how God tells me that for you to be the greatest, you must be the least. Think about that. God is telling you for you to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, you have to be the least. You have to be the servant of all. He says for you to gain your life, you have to lose it. Oh, my friend. I mean, these things just confuse me at times. And maybe this is where somebody is today. But let me say this. That is just how it feels. Because God always encourages us never to move by our feelings, but to move by faith. Amen. You, faith and feelings can never mix so even as you're in this place, don't allow your feelings to get you to the place where you disqualify God. Why am I saying that? Is because when you're in this place where you can't figure God out, you can't figure his timing, you can't figure his tools and his tests upon your life, you get into the place where you begin to think that God has no power to change your situation. Yes, you could be in church, but you begin to feel like God has no real power to change your situation. I'll tell you the truth about myself. I was right there. I remember when I was praying for a baby. I was still a pastor of Hope Church and I was praying for a child. Five years down the road, no child. We went to the doctors and the doctors told us, you guys cannot have children. 
But I knew in my heart that if I pray and I trust God, he would give me a child, but nothing was happening. And I was at this place where I got to a place where I was concluding in my heart secretly that God really does not have any power to give me a child. And I know I was a pastor and I was still preaching. I was still telling people that God can move mountains in your life. But deep inside I was out. Probably you're in a place where you feel God fixed you. You feel like, yes, he led you to obey, but then he set you up and he's shortchanging your life. Maybe you feel God's word is not relevant in your situ- to your situation anymore. You feel like God is unjust or unfair. So as you're seated here today, your life itself is an oxymoron. It's a paradox because you're faithful, but yet you're frustrated. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody today. Probably you're strong in the grace of God but you're weak in certain areas of your life, and and it's killing you on the inside. You're feeling built up in the faith because you're learning lessons about God. You're getting to know God more, but as you're getting built up, you're also so broken. You're so broken right now. You're you're composed. When people look at you and they ask you, "How how are you doing? You can fairly say, I'm doing well, but deep inside, you're totally confused. You have peace in your heart, but yet you're passive. So right now, I want us to go back to that passage, and I want us to just find out why did God take Moses through this? Do we just have a God who just has fun by frustrating us? Does he he get a fix by looking at us confused and all that? No. Let's go to the book of Exodus chapter 18 and verse 28 again. This is what he said to him. When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I've given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. So he went ahead and he did all those things. And we know God, is not, uh, uh, God does not tempt people to evil, right? That's what the book of James 1.13 says. He does not tempt people to sin. So I asked myself why. And, and I found out why in the book of Romans chapter 9 and verse 7, 9, uh, 17 through to 18. This is what it says. For scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Verse 18 says, So then he has mercy on whomever he wills and he hardens whomever he wills. Look at this, guys. Moses was busy getting frustrated. He was busy feeling confused. And if you go to Exodus chapter 5 and verse 22, this is what Moses is saying. Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon these people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak your name, he has brought trouble upon these people and you have not rescued your people at all. So he's that place where he's saying, God, I mean, I'm tired. I, I can't do this anymore. But when you go to the book of Romans, it says God raised Pharaoh up so that he can glorify himself. Hallelujah. God has probably put you in a situation right now Probably in your family, in your relationship with your husband, at your workplace, in the ministry that she has called you to, you are a Moses. And God is saying, I have raised up that issue, that situation to glorify myself. Hallelujah. And I came to tell you, it's not about us. 
It's about God. And we better get to the place where we are so low, that we get so low to the floor that we say, Lord, let it not be about me anymore. Let it be about you. It's not about my joy. It's about your joy. And that's why we can get to a place where we can trade our sorrows for the joy of the Lord. Amen. We can come to the place where we can say, God, I might not figure out what you're doing, but I know you have a good plan for me. Because look at this. Let's go to the book of Exodus chapter 12 and verse 38. This is what it says. In all the midst of that frustration, from one plague to another, back and forth between Pharaoh and Moses, this is what it says. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. Listen to what this passage is saying. A mixed multitude. Now, God at first intended to free the Israelites alone. But in the process of that showdown, some Egyptians began to see the power of God. Some Egyptians began to say, wow, look at this mighty God. And they believed in God. So as they were leaving, they just didn't live alone. They left with a couple of Egyptians as well. And isn't it powerful how in the midst of our frustration, God is showing your neighbor his power. In the midst of your confusion, God is ministering to your brother or your sister, showing them how mighty. And I've seen even in my situation that people look at what I'm going through. For example, when I didn't have a child and I thought people were discouraged, but I came on to realize that people were actually encouraged by my faith. Not that I had any faith. I was just hanging in there, barely. But people were encouraged by it. So I came to tell you today, God right now is being glorified in your life. As, as, as your life is heating up and, and you feel like your life is on fire, there are cold people in this world who are coming around you to get the warmth because they're being encouraged probably as you are getting discouraged. And that's how God works. So I came to tell us, people, we need to trust in God. But let me just say this, people. I feel like it, it is a little bit unfair for us because Moses was told. Moses was called to the boardroom and God told him, listen here, Moses. I'm going to make this very hard, right? You know how it is like when somebody tells you that roller coaster is serious stuff. I mean, you will shout. I mean, you, will, you know it, but you'll still get on that roller coaster and you'll scream the hell out of your... You know what I'm saying? You'll still be, ah! Even if you are told it doesn't change anything. But most of us in this room are not lucky enough to hear a direct... It's not like an angel will show up in your room at night and tell you, Pastor Jim... I will make the ministry very hard, but you have to hang on. It's not like we get signs from God, you know, but we just have to hang in there. Think about Daniel. Daniel was a faithful guy. But remember when he was going down the lounge den, how do you think he was feeling? A man who prayed three times, a man who knew that God was with him. How do you feel like when he was going down? Probably he was saying, Lord, have you forgotten about me? Have you, am I going to become a meal for the lambs? Lord, what will people think about you? Don't you have power to save me? But this is what God knew. God was probably saying, big picture, Daniel. If you don't know, by tomorrow, by this time tomorrow, all these people will be praising me. They'll say, may everyone worship the God of Daniel by this time tomorrow. Think about Joseph. When he said to his brothers, you sent me out, you sold me. Right? You sold me off, but God sent me. So sometimes in people selling you off, in people betraying you and trying to hurt you, God is sending you right to your purpose. Amen. 
That's the kind of God that we serve. Amen. So I came to tell you some things will only make sense in your life when you look at the rear view mirror. You can't make sense of it now, but after you go through it faithfully, you will see the hand of God. So how can we find God? I want to conclude by saying we will find God when we begin to trust and submit to him. The book of Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 tells it clearly to us. It says, trust in the Lord. How many of you came to this church and shook the chair that you're sitting on? How many of you touched it to sense if somebody naughty just put a few needles on there or so that you would feel pain? When Nobody did that, right? Because we trust. I mean, trusting God is just like sitting on that chair. I can't train you how to trust. I don't have a manual on trusting God. Just trust in his love. Trust in his consistency. He is a dependable God. I came to tell you, sometimes it's not always about the destination. Remember, Moses never made it to the promised land. For God, it's about how you walk through the journey. Many of us are waiting for that moment when we'll get promoted. But probably God is saying, for me, the joy is in seeing you walk through before you get promoted. Because God is more concerned about our character. God is so concerned about our integrity. How we grow up. Are we growing up in the right way? God is not so much concerned about the accolades and us receiving the crowns and all these things. That's why God is telling us, guys, I love it when you walk right. I love it when you're upright. I love it when you're patient. I love it when you're peaceful. I love it when I see the fruit of God develop in you. I just quickly want to share another story. There's this guy who had very weak workers. Very weak. You know those guys who are just thin and, you know, they look frail. And he wanted to see them grow in strength. And so he gave them an assignment one day and he told them, I want you to move that piece of rock, that big chunk of rock, and I want you to move it right there. For weeks on end, months on end, they tried to move it, but that rock would not move. So one day they came to the boss and they were very frustrated. And they said, boss, this thing is not moving. We are tired. We want to give up right now. I mean, we, we cannot do it. I mean, just, just stop it. Kill it. But the boss looked at them and he smiled and he said, look at your arms. You have become so strong. You are not what you used to be. Probably right now, you may never know, but God is seeing you and he's seeing a totally different person. You have grown so much in your faith, grown so much in the fruit of the Spirit. So I came to remind you, trust in the Lord. Then submit, because the Bible tells us, acknowledge the Lord. Yes, do not lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on the doctor's report. Do not lean on what you see with your eyes, but just acknowledge God. Say that God is in control. And this is what I learned, that our greatest spiritual achievements will never be out of our aggression, but out of our submission. That's why Jesus is seated at the right-hand side of God, because when he knelt down at the garden, he did not try to gather strength within himself to say, I'll make it through the cross. And I'll... No, he knelt down and he, he said, Lord, will you take this cup away from me? But at the end of it all, he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. So right now, stop fighting with God. Get to a place where you're submitting to God. So as I come to a close, I just want to ask us to trust in Jesus. Because I know we all have boiling points in our lives. In the midst of this confusion, probably the waters of your life are getting to 100 degrees. And you want to call it quits. But you know what trust and submission is? Trust and submission is that, like that spiritual coolant 
that cools you, that keeps you to that safe environment where you can still hear God, where you can still be joyful, where you can still thrive. So I don't know if you're here. You've been praying for your family. Things are just getting from bad to worse. Probably it's your spouse. Probably you want to just divorce right now. You're peaceful, but you're passive. You're not, you're not doing anything anymore. Probably it's, it's at your workplace. You, you're getting frustrated, but you're still faithful right now. Probably you're a believer. You want to get out of this addiction, but, but this thing is breaking you inside. You feel so broken, but yet again, you're built up in the grace. Don't give up on God. Or probably you have a vision. You want to see God provide for this vision, but he has not provided for it yet. And you're getting frustrated in the midst of your faithfulness. Well, I've come to the end of the message, people. But I want to encourage you today. Let's trust in the Lord. I want you to be at a place where you can stand still and wait for the Lord. Amen. I want us to sing a song right now. And I don't know if there's anybody who needs prayer today. Probably let's just bow our heads forward of prayer. Because I did not come here to give you proof that things will be okay. But I came to remind you that God will be glorified in your life. Yes. Be still. Be still. And if you're there and you need prayer, just lift up your hand and I'm going to say a prayer with you today. I'm going to lead you in that prayer because I know it's hard. Moses that God has called. He's affirming you right now. He's affirming you. He's saying, you are the right person. I called you. I have a plan for you. I'm going to do mighty things in your life. So when the oceans of frustration rise, Father, you were king over the floods. I will be still, know you are God. I will be still, know you are God. I don't know. I don't know if you're there. Just raise up your hand. Just raise up your hand. If you sense God is telling you, be still. Let me just encourage you to stand up. Let's stand up with the strength of God. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hand and just sing this verse with me. Hide me now. Hide me now, Lord. Yes. Hide me now Under your wings Cover me within your mighty hand. When the oceans, when the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. Yes, I will. You are king over the flesh. I will be still, 
knows you are God. When the oceans, when the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the. Oh yes, I will, Father. You are King over the floods. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for everyone in this service today. Lord, you call them, Lord. They are weak, Lord. They are stammerers, Lord. They are like jars of clay, Jehovah. Lord, they're being hard-pressed on every side. Lord, they can't figure you out, oh God. But there's something treasures that you have taught us today, something important that you want us to trust you, God. You want us to submit to you, O God. And so today, Father, we lay it all down, Jehovah. We lay it all down, our loving Savior. And we know that when we are still, O God, you will raise us above the floods, O God. Your word tells us, O Lord, those that wait upon you, O God, shall mount up with wings as eagles, O God. My Father, we shall soar with you, O God. But those who wait, Father, we are willing to wait. We are willing to trust in you, Jesus. So encourage them, O God. They're not going to lose their homes, not going to lose their vision, not going to lose their purpose. Lord, they're not going to call it quits because they trust in you, Jesus. For it is in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. And everybody say amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a big round of applause. Amen.